back in the dumpster. It's been a little bit. We had a little short hiatus. We've been busy in the summer, but we're back. We have some special guests today from August Mac Environmental. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys don't mind just kind of introducing yourself, um, and yeah, we'll get started. Sure. You want me to go first? Sure. Go okay. Ahead. So yeah, I'm Adriana. Um, I met all of you before at different events and things. You yes. can't get rid of me and just keep seeing you everywhere. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> um, so I'm our sustainability manager at August Mac. Um, I started out in our due diligence world doing like phase ones and phase twos and with commercial real estate, which we can talk about in a little bit. But um, now I'm sustainability. So it's really been interesting to learn about that and to help people and um, start to get our clients thinking about sustainability and everything. So awesome. Well, welcome. Yeah. Hey guys, Sean Wool. Um, I've been with August Mac about seven years now. I have a background in geology, so I went to Penn State, studied geology up there. Now our client manager here in our Lancaster office, and it was kind of a big switch for me. I thought I'd be in geology for a long time, project manager go that route, and you know, nope. They said, hey, did you ever, did you ever think about doing sales or business development? And I said, sure, I'll give that a try, and here we are, seven years later, still doing it. So that's who I am. Awesome. Well, yeah, we, I think what, what brought us to you guys, um, I think we, we met you at one of the events, Adriana, mm-hmm. and we were talking, just like kind of figured out that our buddy Gavin from high school, yeah. um, he works with you guys now as he was doing an internship. Yep. And so shout out Gavin. Dan's <laughs> known him his whole life. He was right. his confirmation, confirmation sponsor. sponsor yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah, so shout out Gavin. Um, but yeah, kind of, if you guys could just tell us kind of what, what the different functions are of August Mac, what do you guys do? Yeah, um, sure. Just a kind of big picture, paint the picture for our audience. Yeah, we can, I guess, go broad first and then maybe talk about like service areas and everything, but, sure. um, and feel free to jump in if I'm like saying something incorrect. Yeah, <laughs> um, roll with it. <laughs> yeah, no, so we, I would say our main goal, um, is to be like protectors of the environment but also our clients so it's kind of like this duality of clients and environment so I think a lot of people see like the environmental people show up and they're like oh like here comes the environmentalist you know what I mean Um, but really like we're there to help our clients either be in compliance or sometimes our clients are like banks um, so they hire us to go and see you know check out a property that somebody's trying to buy um, and we want to help them make sure that it's not like a huge liability. So in that way, we're protecting them from that. For, from the compliance side, we're helping like, you know, someone like sod metal or like any like industrial type of um, client stay within compliance with the like DEP regulations and things like that and yeah. help them with permits and stuff like that so that the state doesn't come and like find them or um, yell at them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's, I think, like, big picture kind of what we do. And then we also do a lot of, like, remediation stuff. Um, I don't know as much about that. So <laughs> Sean could talk about it. Sure. But Yeah, I, I think in addition to that, what's, what's really neat about our company is, like Adriana said, our two owners, Jeff and Brian, you know, we've been in business since 88. You know, they started the company. They, we're actually headquartered in Indianapolis, Indiana. Have about seven office locations across Big Ten country. We are, you know, so <laughs> Penn State You're not fan. Get a thing from me. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're we're across Big Ten country: Indianapolis, Cleveland, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. Um, you know, we're out in Michigan, places like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there, Jeff is an engineer. Brian, or I'm sorry, 
Jeff is a geologist, Brian's an engineer, and they always approached business, you know, from a business standpoint, right? We want to be good stewards of the environment, but we also understand businesses need to be a business. They need mm -hmm. to make a profit. They need to, you know, be in the be in the black, right? We, we're not trying to kill deals. We're not trying to do certain things like that. Mm -hmm. We're trying to bring together the business world as well as the science and that environmental stewardship. So for the last... 35 years our company's been around, you know, that has been kind of our mantra, you know, mm -hmm. we want to do right by the environment, do right by our employees, and do right by our clients as well, and I think, you know, that is permeated down from the top, from our two owners, who are still very active, all the way down to our interns, um, and, and folks like that, yeah. and, you know, even out here in Pennsylvania, where we've been, you know, in this office, Late 90s, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like 25 years. Yeah, 25 so. years. Might almost be 30. Um, Susan Burkett, she started our office out here in Lancaster, and now we've grown this, you know, this region um, to a Conshohocken as well as a York office. So, just that growth mindset, while well, trying to always do right by our our employees and our clients. This is one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you guys is I feel that our space is exactly what yours is. Mm -hmm. You just discussed the mix between business and the environment and finding that middle path that makes sense for everyone. Because mm -hmm. um, we could have the cleanest air in the world. We did during COVID because no one was allowed to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing the pictures. Oh, wow, look how clean the air yeah, is. And no air well, sure. But nothing's going on. We yeah. have to find that middle balance. And yeah. that's kind of what our business is all about, where we are sustainability. Mm -hmm. Without the recycling industry, we're, we're at the, the back end of the, um, of the process with taking scrap, and we feed the beginning of the supply chain with it being remelded and repurposed into new plate. Yeah. So we fit that same role in everything we do serving our customers is the same way. Yeah. So I, I just think that's, it's, it's a really good mix that we have you guys here. Yeah. You yeah, know? and that's what I always try to, like, preach with sustainability because I think it's kind of the same thing where people will mix up environmentalism with sustainability, and it's like, no, no, those are two different things. Like, sustainability is, like, yes, the environment, but also the social things, and then sure. the G is there, too, for governance, but, like, it's putting it all together in a way that still makes sense for businesses to operate and make money because that's the number one goal for businesses. Correct. So yeah. that's, I've been trying to like push that and like trying to get mm -hmm. people understanding that concept too because I think, yeah, it's the same thing with when they hear the environmental people coming, like people just get a little mm -hmm. weird about that and stuff. But, um, but I was going to say about Sean, so like he's sales, but the interesting thing, um, I think just across our companies, we have a lot of scientists that like moved into other positions so it's I think he's a good example of that but most of our salespeople I want to say are really like they started in science right like mm -hmm. that's that's yeah. just kind of the kind of what happened but it's nice because then you have people who know kind of what they're talking right. about with talking <laughs> to you know he's not just selling like yeah. random things yeah, he does. actually knows um so yeah and it's so funny too you mentioned you know, during COVID you know there's so many things I wanted to touch on there but it is funny, like, I think we oftentimes forget to look back, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're always so focused right here and now on, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's so dirty, right? I, I remember my, my former boss, you know, remember him telling me stories. He's like, you know, Sean, I remember when a river caught fire. He's like, you know, wow. that's, 
that just doesn't happen, hopefully. No. Right. Knock on wood or, or metal, you know. <laughs> it just doesn't happen as much, right? Like, we're, we're sometimes very hyper-focused right now on the bad things that might be environmentally going on right now. But it's like you said, you, you got to sometimes take that step back and look at how far we have come, mm-hmm. how much we have cleaned up the air, how much we have cleaned up water, mm-hmm. soils. Um, you look around and the programs that were put in place in a partnership between the government as well as private industry to take some of these old properties that were, you know, there was no use to them anymore because they were mm-hmm. contaminated and figure out innovative ways to turn them into something useful. And it's really cool to be a part of a company that has done that. You know, we've worked with some, some developers to take an old site that really had no use anymore and clean it up so that it could then become residential apartments mm-hmm. and things like that. And that's a really neat thing. Mm-hmm. And, and to see, like you said, that, that business, that private uh, partnership with the government side of things to try to make things better is it's pretty cool. Can you give some examples locally? I mean, these guys um, probably shop, play, and and are around some of the areas you're talking about that have been repurposed. Can you give some examples locally that um, you guys may have done the phase one study or the phase two study and been able to repurpose some land? Yeah, unfortunately with a lot of our clients, there is a little bit of that confidentiality. Oh, okay. So I can talk a little bit more, you know, kind of broad brush and, you yeah. know, that's just kind of probably the, the extent that I could give. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there was a, a former uh, battery facility that we that we helped there kind of clean that up. There was some universities, uh, things like that, that we've, we've helped them as well with some of their contaminated site. It's, that's, that's kind of the, the big thing. Some of the phase ones um, in the city of Lancaster, there were some areas where we assisted doing some of the, the phase one studies um, early on in the due diligence side of things as well as lead-based paint, asbestos surveys, things like that, as they're renovating some of these properties. Um, There's some historic buildings in in the city of Lancaster as well. Um, Down in the city, you know, I'm sure you've seen some of the the, the um, renovations happening down there. We've assisted with some of that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That must be neat, just to be in your community and be a part of a project. Yeah, and also, um, again, I'll try to stay broad, but I think, like, one of the cooler things, and you already touched on this with, like, the housing and everything, um, we do a lot of, like, really industrial buildings that used to be, like, I don't know, I can't even think of an example, but just, like, really industrial, like, kind of scary when you go in, and then people are, like, buying Boys, them. we specialize in scary, don't we? <laughs> like, we people, do scary every day. <laughs> People buy them and then, you know, at a relatively cheap price because it's kind of like scary, disaster looking. And then they just fully, like we've seen full, like total turnaround of this building into like apartments that are really cool, you know. And that's that's fun because it's like you're creating housing, but also you're taking something that was scary and Mm -hmm. like just not being used anymore um, for whatever reason and making it into homes. And it's it's awesome. Yeah, and, and scary. Yeah, like you said, we've seen some scary. Yeah, because, like no electric, like you're just in the oh, basement yeah. somewhere. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. one of our folks, there was, you know, there was like a homeless enclave in the one place mm-hmm. the one time. And, uh, but, you know, what's neat is like even on our compliance side of the business, because we have kind of that due diligence where they, you know, you're looking to purchase a property. You know, we go out and make sure there's no contamination present. There's a whole other side of our business, which is compliance, mm-hmm. right? Staying in compliant with your EPA or state regulatory air, waste, water, chemical permits, things like that. 
and we've gone into some facilities where you know things were there were some challenges, right? We would say that, and <laughs> to kind of work with a client and you know over a year or two years longer to see them go from this is a little scary to you know wow the changes from their health and safety programs mm-hmm. their environmental mm-hmm. programs the number um, of violations yeah and stuff absolutely like that. I yeah. mean you, you know we've worked with DEP inspectors who you know have said things like wow you know this is like a completely different company they're like that's awesome you know yeah, you can it's a compliment absolutely especially when you know what we're doing on the environmental health and safety is that environment piece which is super important. I'm sure you guys know, right? The health and safety aspect is huge. You know, that's yeah. someone's life. You know, that's making sure someone's life and limbs and all of that is intact when they go home to their families. That's that's huge. Very rewarding work. Yeah. That's awesome. To piggyback off of that, what would you guys like? We can all tell that you guys have like a lot of pride in your company and what you guys do. Um, what would you say is like your favorite part of your job, or like what? Um, yeah. What What was your favorite part? Ooh. You want to go first? Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, that's really hard. Um, I, I would say I think my favorite part is collaborating with other people. So, like, I'm kind of in this weird situation where I work a lot with our compliance folks because I work with their clients. So, like, their clients are also my clients. Um, so I collaborate a lot with them. And then just, yeah, getting help from, like, our sales folks or our marketing people, I – just in a single day, I feel like I talk to so many different people to get little things done. Um, but I really enjoy that. I like the teamwork yeah. aspect of it. <clears throat> Absolutely. I'd say for me, working on the client management side of things, I love that my day can be completely different, mm-hmm. right? Tuesday after Labor Day, we're sitting here on a podcast with yeah. you guys. Like, that's <laughs> awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. For me, we have, we have such a broad array of services that we offer clients, right? I can go out, I could have lunch with some attorneys or something in the, in the mm-hmm. afternoon, and then afterwards be stopping at a foundry, right, right. To, to check in with you know, an EHS manager. I love the fact that we just, we help so many different types of people. It keeps my day always, you know, something different. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I love that aspect of it. Um, always have something, something different to be doing, mm-hmm. different people to be meeting. We mm-hmm. can definitely relate to that. We're always... We have, like, a smaller company here, so we all wear a lot of different hats. Yeah. We're always jumping around doing, like, we'll be at an event where we met you. Yeah. And, like, later, or earlier that day, we're in here sorting metal. Yeah, so yeah. So it's kind of... Yeah, because you're, like, the sales and marketing person, right? Is that your title? Here? Yeah, we, we all kind of do a little bit of everything. Oh, okay. Um, so... Uh, I would say I'm in like the sales and marketing. He's the head of operations. So okay. He takes on. He gets. He gets stuff done. Um, yeah, it's nice because we're learning kind of how to do everything. Yeah, um, that is really good. I don't want to be stuck in like a. Yeah, like, you don't want to get pigeonholed. Yeah, pigeonholed. Yeah. Um, I like to at least know how to do most things. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Cool. Yeah, that's it's very similar. I'd say for us because we're, yeah. we're mid-sized company. It's about 200, 200 employees we have. Um, and it's neat, right? Like, you can kind of create your own path, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, our two owners, like I said, they actually took um, some money and set it aside and created what they called our Innovation and Growth Hub. Um, so you can come up with an idea to make the company you know, more profitable, um, a better place to work, and pitch these ideas and kind of get That's money. Awesome. Yeah, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really neat. And, you know, our sustainability service area, our water resource service area came out of that. Mm-hmm. Some really neat things within the company has, has come mm-hmm. out of that. And it's cool because, you know, for me, when I started, our Lancaster office was 
you know, maybe 10, 10, 12 people. And, you know, we've just continued to grow and everybody kind of that seller-doer mentality mm -hmm. going out, you know, trying to win work, build relationships, do right by our clients. You know, we're, I think, the second largest region now in our company. You know, we have Lancaster, York, Conshohocken, maybe 30, 40 people. Mm -hmm. So, exactly, it's it's very similar, right? You can kind of grow your, grow your own career. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. How's it helped you going from like you were in like the field and then went into sales, so now you know like what you're selling? Yeah. It's kind of like what we do here. We started, we all started torching before we did anything else. So if we could do that, we can handle the other stuff. So knowing what, like, seeing the, me going to a company, I know now for the most part, there's still stuff to learn. But I know, at least have an idea of like, because I touched the metal in the yard, I sort through it, mm -hmm. I kind of know like where we can help them. Uh, how's that helped you kind of? In your sales yeah it's been invaluable um, you know like I said I would never thought <laughs> when yeah. you would ask me in school like you think you're gonna be working you know, on the sales side absolutely not That's, yeah I don't want to touch sales with a 10-foot pole um, but it, it is an invaluable thing to to get that experience working in the field because you know as well right mm -hmm. the things that can go wrong that troubleshooting that way to think mm -hmm. it really takes that pressure off you know when you're just kind of sitting having lunch with a client mm -hmm. you're like well it's a little less stressful you know and and it's just a lot of fun too right like you're trying to figure out you know is there a way we can help our client if not that's fine you know we can shake hands and we'll reconnect in a little bit but it's kind of like being a detective you know like hey mm -hmm. what's, what's your issue out. yeah let's yeah. figure it out together i think that mindset of coming from the field just fix a lot of things back in you know when i when i first started you're kind of approaching it with that mindset as well and you know at least for me you know I I see myself as kind of a, a consultant you know that's mm -hmm. not my title but that's still how I see myself I, I don't say oh I'm I'm just the sales guy no I'm, I'm a consultant who's here to help you and mm -hmm. figure out how we can you know be of assistance and well it goes there. back yeah. to I think if everyone approached sales the same way the scientific method which i it's terrible at. I hated science fair and I ended mm -hmm. up in this industry. If we approach sales with the same discovery of the customer's problem mm. that yeah. that um, you do in, in science, it would be a, a huge success. And it's probably the key to why you guys are able to build those relationships. Mm. Because no one wants to be approached by a salesperson or really even use the word sales necessarily. Yeah, yeah. You're really just helping. And that speaks to how I think you try to portray yourself. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Have you found that? Like, that that's been helpful yeah, for you? Yeah, I think so. And I, um, yeah, because I come from a pretty heavy science background, so mm -hmm. I think that's just kind of, like, how I'm wired a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, like, the sales side is kind of, like, I don't even know if I'd call it sales, but, like, business development is, like, half of my job now. Right. Um, and so, I don't know. I've just really enjoyed, like, getting to go to the networking things and, like, yeah, I think I just like to help people. So it's nice to connect with people and, you know, find out if there's a way we can help and mm -hmm. be like, oh, we do that, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's just really nice. So, yeah, I do think having that science background helps yeah, a for lot sure. for the sales and BD stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, let me make sure. Let me make sure everything. Usually we have Isaiah behind the camera. Yeah, so we're making sure. We, we'll we'll sure cut it back. Doing. We'll cut it back. This is good, guys. Um. I have so many things I want to ask, but I'm trying to let these guys ask first. <laughs> um, but I love this. This is going really well. Um, and get into like maybe hobbies outside of work, 
career plans, career goals. Um, I was going to ask your service areas because I didn't yeah. know there were Are 70 we locations. Oh, yeah. yeah. So seeing because it's mostly people around here that watch this, but there are people from Okay, from so we do we need to Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. For the rest of this. Let me um, turn my ringer off so it doesn't stop. Sometimes that also stops. Is Isaiah the one that's like blonde? He's usually asking the questions. No, that's Carrie. Hey, oh. He's a school right? Right? Oh, is he? Um, He's at Miller's Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so he's done. His last day was two weeks ago. Was he an intern or just like part-time? Um, just like... Or summer. He was seasonal. an intern. He was an intern over the summer. Oh, okay. Nice. Just send me those so you have your questions. No, I got them. Oh, you got them? Yeah. I got it. What, um, so I do want to cover... I'll take the part with the whole sustainability and your initiative because okay. I, I want to wrap that up into Israel to our association. By the way, I'm not blocking Sean. We have two different. Okay. Okay. I'm blocked by him. Thank you. <laughs> so, you guys, um, what were you going to ask? What do you guys want to talk about? Um, I was going to bring up like the service areas. Perfect. And then um, about I always ask like bring like bring up about the long-lasting relationships on how that sure. how that like plays a factor into your business sure I want to talk like I said about their sustainability Alex you can cover like outside interests things like that um, where you see we could talk about that mining thing like where we see I know rocks for jocks is all excited <laughs> <laughs> by the way I didn't even do well at rock in rocks for jocks no. at Syracuse. Oh. that was like that was Geology 101 was rocks for jocks there. Yeah. We, we were like, we were not like North Carolina where we faked classes, so our players had to go to rocks for jocks. We, we had. Derek Coleman, all of them. Yeah. I remember my fresh, it was, there was quite a few, there was quite a few athletes in there. In the rocks for oh, jocks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it was like, come on guys, this is limestone, this is sand, they're just, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Hang, don't start yet, you can't tell this guy we're up in the new area. Hey, buddy, we're in a new area now, so just go up through the gate. You'll see a white line in the road. Follow it. It's a new area up in the other area. Yeah, you'll see it. Just follow the white line. That's awesome. Yeah. This is sustainability right here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why don't you start with a question? All right. Should be all rolling again, so. All right, so I was going to go. Well, me and Dan kind of got this question um, last week and one of our they were doing a little interview for us um i wanted to kind of cover like so you guys are in the sustainability that's your kind of your world right now mm -hmm. did you always kind of have an interest in keeping like the world sustainable and like how companies like um dealt with that like before coming into the business or is that something you kind of realize is like important after you started um yeah that's a good question um because sometimes you don't really like like a lady asked us if we were like, we were really like big on going green and stuff before we got into the scrap metal world. And it was just like an interesting question. Yeah. So like personally or? Yeah, I guess just personally or if, if you ever really thought about that or did you okay. just kind of come into this job? Yeah, no. So um, I, when I was in college at Shippensburg, um, I was, I think, vice president of um, our, it was called C's. So it was like Students for Environmental Action and Sustainability. 
So I was always interested in it, and I think, like, just the general, like, environmental stuff, and I didn't really know what sustainability was um, at that time. But, yeah, so I think personally I had – there was interest there. But it was, like, at a point where – they had just started like the degree program and stuff so like sustainability wasn't as much of a thing as it is now where you see like actual job titles like mine um so yes the interest was there and then i started the company like i said in our due diligence world so i was um doing something completely different but still here and then when this job opened up i was like oh this sounds like something i could be really passionate about and really interested in so that's why i was like super drawn to it um and i think as far as the company we've for the last multiple years done a lot of what you would consider sustainability work but we just didn't have an official group to do it because it was like really infrequent where we would have people reaching out with like these random kind of requests and then our compliance folks would be like oh yeah we have time like we can we can take that on or whatever but we don't we're not like a sustainability person um but then we've seen that coming in just more and more so you know over the last couple years and so that's why we actually created the sustainability group so there's like a formal place for people to be like oh this client wants to do cdp reporting or like ESG reporting Mm -hmm. or they want to calculate the greenhouse gas emissions or something um that way it's like oh throw it to adriana you know what i mean so like that's so like personally yes there's been interest and i think from the company there's been interest and like we've already been doing it but we just didn't put the name on it like the label um so that's me yeah definitely um always had an interest in the environment my parents had had a renewable energy business so back in back in when that's uh, a while ago yeah back in 2006 okay uh, they they went to canada uh before it was you know really big in the united states to get some training they started the business it didn't really take off to about 2009 and we installed on the residential side um solar panels wind turbines solar hot water systems and it was it was really neat my parents started the business ran with it they're very entrepreneurial so even from that kind of young age you know i never worked at mcdonald's because Mm -hmm. my dad was like nope you're gonna come out and help me you know install wind turbines and solar panels and so we always had this you know business side with the the renewable energy side Mm -hmm. and you know that's where it really was for me so as I was starting to go into college, I just always had this environmental side that was like, yeah, I want to, I want to do something. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you would have asked me again back then, you know, you want to do sustainability. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, yeah. 18 year old college kid. I, I want to work with the environment. Yeah. I don't know what that means, um, but it's, it's really neat. Yeah. So I, I would say it's always been there for me. Gotcha. Um, so how many residences way. have wind turbines on Um. I would say, and this is personally, residences, probably too many, but not enough. Okay, so explain that. <laughs> yeah, too many um, in the sense of to to actually site a good place for a wind turbine requires what we call wind study. So you would okay. go out, you'd put up a, say, a 60-foot pole with a uh, in anemometer. Can't think of you know a little wind wind monitor. You could say it. any word and we would not. <laughs> exactly. You know. Someone will though. They'll be in the YouTube yeah. comments. That's yeah. not right. You know. Um, exactly. I'm good with it. And uh, so yeah, you'd put that up and you would study the wind currents for about a year. Okay. Most people are too impatient for that. Uh-huh. And they will give you the anecdotal. It's always windy here, and it's like yeah, we're six feet off the ground. Right. We need to look you know 30, 40, 50 feet up in the air. So. You, we see a lot of wind turbines, and it's kind of a hit or miss, right? Okay. Sometimes, you know, they're sited really well. Um, 
You know, for instance, the first wind turbine my, my family, our business put in, the owner was Adam. He said, it's always windy here, always windy. And we were like, listen, you know, we want to do the wind study. He's like, no, I'm telling you, it's, it's always windy. It'll be perfect. Mm-hmm. Put it up. Every time you drive by, that thing is spinning like um, a top. And it's like, that's, that's awesome. That's when you hate to be right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're like, oh. But it's, it's great, right? And then there are some folks that, you know, they, they were adamant. They're like, I want this in. And it doesn't really move too much because big thing with a residential wind turbine, they have to spin at a certain rate to actually produce, you know, a substantial amount of power. Mm-hmm. If it's just kind of spinning slowly, mm-hmm. you're not really producing. And does much. wind have to be used on site more than solar? Which one can be stored easier? Or is the storage of both of those energy sources the same? I would say, you know, and, and I would speak mostly from a residential side. Sure. It's probably the same. The big difference is, again, the intermittent aspect of the wind, mm-hmm. right? Every day, the sun's going to come up. If it doesn't, we're, you're not going to be concerned right. about your solar. You know, that, right. there's a bigger problem there. Um, but with the wind, tur- the wind turbines, it's much more intermittent, right? It can be pretty windy. Eh, it might stop for a little bit. Even on very cloudy days, it is surprising the solar... How much? How much you can produce, mm. right? Even with the solar thermal. I remember we put it in one time in a very cloudy day, and you could still, you'd put your hand near the tip where it would heat up. Mm-hmm. Super cloudy. I mean, you, you couldn't really see the, the sun. Red hot. I mean, it was unbelievable how much these, these technologies can, can produce, even in pretty overcast. We have a 33-kilowatt system on our roof. Oh, that's awesome. And we were grandfathered in the D.C. market. I don't know if you know anything about SREX. Oh, yeah. The SREX yep. are like $300 versus $10 currently yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But we can't add to it because it's part of that D.C. market. Uh, absolutely. That was the biggest thing with Pennsylvania uh, with the SREX market was when you, you, know, you could buy and sell outside mm-hmm. of the state into it. And it just tanked the SREC market. And, you know, unfortunately, that was, I think there was a lot of folks who went around saying, this is going to pay you back in a few years. You know, you'll get mm-hmm. 300, 400. And unfortunately, with the market, sometimes it, it goes real high and sometimes it goes And it makes the low. ROI a little longer. But mm-hmm. if you still believe in it, and for us, it's a core value of our company. Yeah. And it matches up with what we do. It makes sense for us to have it. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll probably invest in additional, too. Yeah. Uh, but again, we won't be getting those $300 S-Rex. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a long-term investment, too, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's, there's some solar panels from 70s, 80s still out there producing. You know, obviously at a diminished rate. Mm-hmm. You can add some, you know, newer solar panels to kind of bring that wattage back up. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's a long-term investment. That's what I always tell people, right? That, that ROI can, can fluctuate depending on all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But it's like you said, too, a lot of places we see now, if, if they're doing it, because they're a true believer. They're, right. Right, they're like, I want to do this, you know, I want to, you know, do my part, and it's it's a core business value mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. Absolutely. So, um, I had a question earlier. You said you have seven different locations. Um, what what <laughs> um, different areas do you service, not just Lancaster, York, and um, I forget the other one. Sure. And feel free to jump in. I can... Yeah, sales guy. I'll talk a lot. Uh, yeah, so like I said, we're, we're headquartered in Indianapolis, Indiana. Have offices Cleveland, Columbus, Lancaster, York, Conshohocken. And, you know, full-service environmental consulting firm, right? We help people solve complex environmental problems. So that can be on our compliance side of the business, right? Helping companies stay in 
and get in industrial or um, in regulatory compliance. So EPA, um, state regulatory compliance mm. with air, waste, water chemicals. And as far as location-wise, so, like, yeah, we're definitely not just local to, like, our locations, like, our office locations. We have done work, I think, in every state total. Except Vermont. Except no, Vermont. Still waiting, okay. Vermont. still waiting on Vermont. Yeah. But in ben 20... and Jerry's needs something <laughs> Yeah, done, you know? yeah, I should reach out to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 2022, we went to, it was 42 states. I actually just got that stat for marketing. Nice. So. Um, so we're all over the place, and I want to say yeah. we've also done stuff in like other countries, maybe like Canada. I might be lying, I don't mm-hmm. know, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, so yeah, we're all over. We like, I mean, it's kind of ironic because on the environmental side, it's not great to fly, but we go to Texas, Oklahoma a lot, stuff like that, because um, we have like a whole renewable energy not service area but it's like attached to a different service area where we work with a lot of renewable developers and stuff and a lot of that's going on in oklahoma and texas um because they'll like lease out land from farmers like huge pieces of land like thousands of acres and put solar on them and stuff so um but yeah we're all over the place um and we do all kinds of stuff yeah yeah (laughs) regulatory compliance that transactional due diligence so if you're familiar phase one phase two uh, what we call our building science, which is lead-based paint, asbestos surveys, things mm-hmm. like that, industrial hygiene sampling mm-hmm. for noise, air, things like that. Um, we also get involved with a lot of cleanups as well, right? So we do a lot of modeling of contaminated sites, um, you know, PFAS, um, Act 2 out here in Pennsylvania. So we'll, we'll look at an old dirty site, we'll you know, characterize that, and then actually perform some of the cleanup and you know, work with attorneys and developers to take those old dirty sites and clean it up or figure out a way to see if it impacts health of you know, humans and the environment. And if not, sometimes you, know, you can put something on top of it and kind of move on and you know, now have something that's you know, a benefit to the, the community mm-hmm. instead of an eyesore or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think that's probably, and sustainability in our water resources as well, which mm-hmm. is you know, not tied together, but I mean very closely tied mm-hmm. together with, with a lot of the things that you guys are doing. I actually have a random question. Um, on the environmental side, what, how do you guys, what do you guys feel about the electric cars? Do you think that, because I know you mentioned flying, mm-hmm. might not be the best. Um, do you think that's a better option? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, better that's a option? funny question because Sean and I both drive plug-in hybrids. Yep. So it's like you plug it in, you get like 30 miles of EV driving, which is awesome. I'm like really excited about this, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to like yes. contain myself. Go, go. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do I think about it? I think at some point, maybe 20 years, maybe less, everyone's gonna be driving them. I think right now it's like a full EV, you know, like a Tesla or something like that, is still outside of the price range of like your average person. Um, I mean, that was a thing that I looked at when I was getting a new car because I'm like, I you know can't afford just like this huge car payment, so. I went with something that was like a little, it's not that old, it's like 2018, but it's it still has like the EV capabilities and like I only live like seven miles from my office. So like every day back and forth, I'm only driving electric. So like mm-hmm. I'm not even using gas, which is so cool. And That's then awesome. when you go and you know, I go home or something, which is farther away, um, I tap into the gas a little, but it's still hybrid car. So it's like, I'm still getting like, what, like yeah. 70 miles per gallon or like something crazy like yeah. that. So. Um, very excited about the EV world. Yeah, <laughs> and you—you you have the same thing. Uh, you have a, a, a Chevy Volt, 
Yeah, okay. and I, I really like it. It's a uh, couple things when it comes to electric vehicles that I always think about, right? It's kind of where do you want the source of your emissions, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want them coming from the tailpipe or do you want them coming from the power plant? Right? Somewhere. It, it's exactly. always somewhere. You, it, it's always cost-benefit, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of great things, right? The vehicles, you're going to have a cleaner locality, right, when you reduce the emissions right there. Um, but it still needs to be, that electricity needs to be produced, and I forget the percentage in Pennsylvania, but a high percent, coal and natural gas, yes. you know? And it's, it's just a reality. Also, you have to look at the full cost of an electric vehicle, right, when you're now mining these rare earth minerals and mm-hmm. sometimes not in the most, you know, very unsavory places in the world where, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunate things happen. You know, you just have to look at that whole picture. I think in a, a hybrid electric vehicle is a great transition vehicle mm-hmm. um, for the Bridges exact the reasons. It, it yeah. really does because... Oftentimes, there's this thing with electric vehicles called range anxiety. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. Well, I have but a friend who has it. He can't oh, drive to New Hampshire because yeah, of it. It's, it really is. So, yeah. you know, it's this fear of, okay, if, if I run out of range, where am I going to run out? Right. Is it going to be at the Wawa that only has the Tesla plug-ins and I can't plug in here? Right. Yeah. Or is it going to be, you know, unfortunately somewhere else where I need to get, you know, you know towed somewhere? That really exists. And... You know, as a hybrid electric person, I don't really care as much. You know, my my gas turbine will, you know, recharge me. But, you know, I always tell people the the bigger struggles with electric vehicles beyond just that is the inequity of who can have them, right? In the sense of an electric vehicle is really designed for someone who has a garage, right? Mm -hmm. When, when, before my wife and I were married and I lived in the city of Lancaster, I parked on the street. Right. I never plugged it in until I, you know, found a found a spot. If you yeah. live in an apartment complex, you know, maybe there's four spots. So those are the things and, and the amount of time it sometimes takes, right? You know, even at a two hundred and forty volts, you know, you're talking four hours. Mm-hmm. If you put the, the power, you know, the, the Tesla supercharger on or the DC supercharger, it starts to degrade your battery over time. So there's always give and takes yeah. and like I said, I think the hybrid electric because, you know, Toyota has a, has a great um, hybrid system. Is a great gap um, to start bridging that gap, and you know, saying okay, because most consumers they're they're interested in making yes. that dollar stretch, right? You know, yeah. the pr- inflation, everything else, so, and this is where I always tell people, right? It's it's kind of funny, like you know, you can look at government mandates and and where they're just kind of not necessary. And I always said, this is one of those areas, right? Mm-hmm. You were looking for a car. My wife and I were recently mm-hmm. looking for a car with our, you know, our second baby on the way. So we needed an upgrade. Yeah. And it was like, well, I'm, why, I'm definitely going to get something that has good gas mileage, right? Yeah. It right. just makes financial sense. So, you know, that, that, that's how I would look at it. Yeah. And, and you guys both brought up a really good point about government regulations just sometimes outstepping where reality is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned mining, you're a geologist, I need to hear your mining thoughts because <laughs> I, we, we, we did a video on the fact that there is just too few metals for, first of all, for the grid, and secondly, for all the things we wanna do. If we wanna have all electric by 2035, which seems like a pipe dream to me right mm-hmm. now, we want that we have to have access to resources without 
fighting a war. Yep. Yeah. So tell me about where everything is. Because I know you know. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> if I knew where everything was, you know I, where I would is. be out there right now. Yeah. It's, it's tough because it's exactly like you said, and I think it ties in perfectly with, with ESG. And I think this is, this is where sometimes it can get frustrating, right, where certain companies are you know, trying to, to do right, but then there's, they have to mine right, right. somewhere. Yes. And again, like I said, it's sometimes not the best places or the situations, right, where you can have children doing these things in these right. countries and, and really horrible things like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's really tough. And, and like you said, I, I forget the statistic, but I know Taiwan has a massive quantity of, of minerals as mm-hmm. well as Ukraine and some of these other places. And, you know, not to, not to go why, off on a tangent, why, but yeah. That's the wars are where they are. And, and it's, it's all about resources always. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Resources are, are huge. And, and like you said, to, to get to a point, we see this with a lot of places where they will create these goals. Oh, right? yeah. And then try to back back into mm-hmm. these goals, and it's really tough, right? That's why we try to work with people, right, who come to us and say, "Where do we begin?" Right? We don't have goals, things like that. And we're yeah. like, "Great," because trying right. to get them early, basically, yes. before their corporate is like, you know, we want to be zero waste by twenty thirty, <laughs> and we're like, right. well, "That's like six years away, like not <laughs> even. It's like five and a half." So, like, yeah, trying to get people, especially these like medium sized companies that are gonna start feeling those pressures if not already Mm -hmm. um who are just like what is sustainability like we don't even know what that means um so trying to get in front of them before it's like hey what's your goal you know or we're gonna drop you which we have seen also with clients um they've been dropped from different business partnerships and stuff because they don't Mm -hmm. have anything yeah well even um even a small company like ours the sec regulation Mm -hmm. where Public companies need to go through their entire supply chain mm-hmm. and rate ESG um, capabilities on yeah. all of them. It puts players, certain players will be put out and can't be able to handle that. Yeah. That's where your company is, I guess, bridging the gap. Yeah. Um, why don't you explain some of the things, some of the ways you go into a business mm. after that call for help comes? Yeah. So, um, one of the big things that clients or potential clients have been interested in, at least that we've seen, has been like baseline assessments because it's like a lot of people truly have no idea where to even start like they're just like i don't know corporate saying do this or our supplier or the people we're supplying are saying to do this and we don't even know um so going in and like you can kind of tailor it to what makes more sense for like that company so Mm -hmm. maybe they have just like different values or you know whatever they're being asked from above um, but we can look at like energy usage and reducing that, uh, different waste streams. Like, is there a way to go into the beneficial reuse program mm-hmm. with PA or um, just like recycle or whatever? Um, and then like water usage, is there a way we can reduce that? And then also looking at some of the, the S part too, like we can help with that. Um, and I think that's, it just kind of gets all lumped into this baseline assessment is just looking at what you're doing now do you do stuff in the community? You know, just mm-hmm. looking for stuff that you can take credit for now and then looking at stuff that, like, you can expand on and make better going forward. Basically. Alex and I were on a podcast uh, two, two years ago, probably in Las Vegas, with the ISRI ESG chair, Cheryl Coleman. Okay. Um, and she really spent a lot of time. It was the first time I even... I, ESG to me was all E. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think to most people it's all E. 
really give us a drill down of what S and G are and give us some practical ways to understand that. Sure. So the S is probably the easier one, so I'll just start there. Um, so under S, you would have like, uh, now there's like some overlap too, so it gets tricky. Okay. But like health and safety stuff, um, maybe employee metrics, so like male to female or whatever, mm -hmm. um, age ranges, um, how, you know, if there's like an incident, are your people afraid to come tell you about it? Or like, how is that handled? Do they get in trouble because they did something that was a health and safety issue? Correct. Or are you using it to learn from it? All of those things, like those are some good examples of the S side. Mm -hmm. um, and then just like, it gets a little weird with the G, the governance, because that's more so about like your values and like your um, executive team. Like what does, what do those metrics look like? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where like there's an overlap because like, you know, social values kind of fall into the governance, but it is the social. So it's definitely all overlap. And I think the E has overlap with social too. Because if you think about something like air quality, like if you're working in a manufacturing plant or something, and the air quality is terrible. It's kind of a social hurting, problem. And you're hurting your own yeah. employees. Yeah, but it's also an environmental problem yeah. where it's like a mm -hmm. human health hazard. Yeah. So like, there's so much overlap between all three of them. Um, but that's the best way I can explain it. Is like governance is more of your values and your higher uh, where the where the choice or where the um, decisions being made or like how are they being made. How is that communicated to other people? And even like economics kind of falls under that too, mm -hmm. at least like for our report, I have, you know, how we did in 2022 and stuff. So that's, that's, that's it's just really interesting because it's out of the scope of what I might think August yeah. Mac is. Right. And it's educating customers that we can provide this, yeah. but this is what you're going to be asked for. Right. Sometimes right. they're coming to you, we're asked for this. Yeah. And then sometimes it's a proactive yeah ask so it's a whole different thing for you guys yeah and i think that's yeah that's been the biggest thing trying to get out there that like we can help with the whole esg thing like it's not just the e for us but i will say you know most of the requests we get are e just given yes. like our history and it's you your know, client base knows you yeah yeah so like we're getting asked to do a lot of like carbon footprinting or mm -hmm. greenhouse gas emission um calculations and stuff like that um yeah, energy audits. So I think the E, it's sort of like the bold one for us just mm -hmm. because that's like our history and everything, but definitely here to help for it all. And if a company wants to produce their first ESG annual report, mm -hmm. a lot of times you'll see pub publicly traded companies, yeah. they're all over the place. Yeah. But if a smaller company wants to do that, yeah. how daunting of a process is it and you mentioned that you did one for your company I believe yep. correct yeah so that's what I'm, I'm working on um, so half of my job is internal so it's really like August max sustainability and sure. then the other half is doing it for external clients as well um, it is daunting um, I think the biggest thing I mean data collection can be daunting because it's like little pieces of data that you're having to ask this person and this person so you're just mm -hmm. bothering people all day which I, I really don't mind, it's fine. Um, but the other side is kind of this design aspect, which has been interesting for me, because like, I don't come from like a design background or like anything like that or marketing really, but I think I have just like this personal interest and I, I would like to think I'm artistic and creative. Mm -hmm. So it's been fun for me and like easy for me to do it. But if you're just like the EH&S manager of X manufacturing, like, do you have time to do that? Right. Like, you know, you're probably, right. it's like the thing on the back burner, like you're probably not worried about it. 
Um, but the thing about ESG reports is like you want people to read it because you're kind of in a way bragging about some yes. things. Like you're yeah. maybe bragging is a bad word. But you're highlighting the good things that you mm -hmm. do, and so you want people to read it. It's not like our phase one reports that are just white paper, black words, and it's I, very boring. I, I would not think I could read a phase yeah. one of Although like last pages. night when I wanted to go to sleep, and I couldn't after that <laughs> yeah. closing game, yeah. I could have used a phase one. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. But yeah, and like we've had one of our clients um, that there was a guy who was doing their ESG report for the last couple years, and it's... Um, he was like, yeah, like, this is something I'd want you guys to take over because it's just, he literally said, like, you, you were there and he's yeah. like, it's just so overwhelming for me to do because I wear a hundred other hats. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, this isn't, like, my priority, you know? Um, so I think it can be daunting, um, and we definitely have the resources to do it, so. Awesome. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's almost like that with anything environmental, though. I think what helps, right, one, having a resource like August Mac, you know, to, to help guide you through that process. But also, like you mentioned earlier, is, is having that commitment from everyone, right? We see this across the board, right? If, if the health and safety or the environment part of it is just a checkbox, right? I just need to get yeah. this done and move on with my day. It's going to be daunting. It's going right. to be like to pull on teeth. But when you have a good partner you're working with and you have investment, whatever level that is, right? It could be a, a mustard seed, right? Like we yeah. just need something small. We start working with folks. And also, like you said too, it's it's funny how, and I was like this too, right? ESG was like, ooh, social part. Right. Ooh, I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. And it's like, well, hold on. You know, do you have interns mm -hmm. that from your local community? Great. Do you give to a local golf outing? Do you host mm -hmm. a golf outing? Like, those are the things that, like, all of our minds when you start thinking, right. so right. it's like those hot button issues. Like, no, 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 no. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to rush there, right? Maybe that's part of your company's values you want to. But you don't have to, right? Like, we all do things. Um, and it's like you said, to take that credit where it's due, right? Like, I, I work part of, a, um, part of a trade organization for independent lubricant manufacturers. And for them, it's really tough because, right, they're the dirty company. Mm -hmm. they're, they're oils, greases, things like that. And it's like, well, when you start diving a little bit deeper of how they help the economy actually run and how much they give back to their local communities, it's like... I want to work for a company right. like this, right? I've worked a lot with helping people change the story, right? And sometimes people have change the story. It's like, what is the story you're telling people, right? Like, that's a huge aspect of, of what Adriana is trying mm -hmm. to do is help people highlight mm -hmm. the great things that, that you do as a company and help change that story from a reactive, you know, oh, we're not we're not polluters to no, you should you should see the great things that we're doing yeah. while trying to take a, a proactive approach to sustainability. And you guys, you guys were at the ISRI uh, best and brightest, you were in the DC training. Kind of what John Sacco was discussing, our industry, what you mentioned right there is our industry has been doing the same thing for this business has been here for 80 years we've done the same thing mm -hmm. we were the bad guys in the 70s we called ourselves junkyards you know <laughs> and i still call it the junkyard because that's what i grew up with but yeah. i try to retrain it and really it's a lot of education the, the term you recycled. know the recycled materials yeah. industry why don't you speak to that a little bit so yeah john's big thing with repurposed is number one just getting like getting it out there to the people but also saying the word scrap really isn't um, 
the most environmental or the best way to say it kind of like junkyard scrap isn't the best yeah. um, recycled materials kind of makes it it doesn't change what we're doing but it kind of makes yeah. it seem more sound um, better kind of yeah, yeah it sounds a lot better to people especially people who don't like like john was mentioning down in dc like like a lot of these people who work in like government i don't even know the names of them but like government jobs um they don't even know what like a scrap yard does or a recycled material yard yeah. does so like once they hear scrap here, they just think all oh, dirty. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Which I mean, the past um, it is it was kind of dirty and not too friendly to the environment. But a lot of people are changing that. So just changing the words they use, um, make it more meaningful Absolutely. instead of just throwing around um, the word like scrap. Yeah, and yeah. kind of along the same lines. Um, yeah, like words are really impactful. And like my, you'll see in the webinar that you guys are going to be involved in. <laughs> um, my one of my big things too is like avoiding buzzwords um i mean sometimes you have to use them but like just making sure you're using them correctly and not mm -hmm. just being like climate change and right. like esg and like just like throwing them at people like almost aggressively you know nope. um and actually using them where there's value because otherwise you're just taking away the value that they actually mean because those those things mean things you know like when you hear someone say like this is a green operation it's like half the people are rolling their eyes and the other half of people are like it's a green like that's amazing green and like it could mean nothing because you could go there and they're like dumping oil like right. you know right. so yeah. it's like it's just like yeah watching the words that you're yeah. using and just like try to do the right thing instead of just trying to make yourself look like you're doing the right thing actually like try to do it and then use the right words absolutely <laughs> because the damage done when you're just out there greenwashing or yeah. whatever term you want to use yeah the damage done is massive yeah. because the people you would be able to get on your side to do the little practical things. Like you guys mentioned the hybrid um, car. Yeah. Just that little step. Okay, now we took the step from just gas to this. Yeah. Then next we're going to take the step there. The incremental change mm -hmm. is done when you can speak honestly and clearly. Yeah. I think that's so true. Yeah, absolutely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be big because even like how John said, um, California, they don't even look at like uh, recycled material yards as... Um, recycling they, it's hazardous waste huh. so that makes like their jobs like 10 times harder when they're trying to do the right thing so yeah. changing that like repurposed I, um, it's on YouTube for free on under Sierra um, but and we'll link to that in the show but and, and that's such a good point because so what do you think the car manufacturer that's next to a yard in California thinks when the stuff they throw into the dumpster that they get paid for mm -hmm. a good price is hazardous waste. Yeah. It kind of makes them look bad too. Then, yeah, you can't yeah really so they're in that chain of custody, mm -hmm. which I'm sure you guys have dealt with. Oh yeah. And, and that's unbelievable. That is not hazardous waste. It's, it's, it's recycled materials that are now going to be repurposed yeah. and put into a new steel plate. Right. Yeah. You know, or we could dig in the ground and yeah. rocks for jocks can tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, it's cool because, like, even in the show, it'll show like a school. Um, it'll show like a blueprint of a school or even a real school and it'll point, like highlight the areas without recycling. Like, all these, like, you couldn't make anything um, without the recycling. Absolutely. So, yeah. a lot of, I feel like if you're not in our industry, it's kind of a lot of people not like they care about the environment but they really don't know to care like you can yeah. only care about stuff Absolutely. you know about and so it's, you kind of need to get yourself out there it's so true right like again i mentioned that lubricant manufacturers association i'm a part of right um when the covid vaccines were first coming out right they were trying to tell us sort of like 
those hypodermic needles that are created are made with cutting oils that they <laughs> produce, right? Like, I yeah. love it. Yeah, they're like, you would not be able, whatever your thoughts are on vaccines or anything like that, to get those vaccines in people's arms without our industry. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a story to tell because yeah. that's awesome, right? We don't, sometimes, right, we just, as a consumer, right, it's so easy to go to the store, get my chicken legs, come home and eat, and not know the hundreds thousands of people involved in getting that yeah to to my to my dinner plate and it's yeah. so true right like for, for any industry if you don't know what goes into it it's so easy to villainize or mm-hmm. do anything like that and, oh that's a bad industry it's like no you know everybody's got pros and cons right not all bankers and lawyers are bad you know and not all scrap well no. recycled materials yeah. oh yeah. you did it <laughs> well we would be remiss if we didn't get the MMA see I don't even know what these letters stand for <laughs> MMA UFC discussion going go ahead I need to hear about this okay mixed well it stands for mixed martial arts yes oh mixed martial yeah. arts explain well, I guess a segue to what different kind of things you guys like to do outside your outside your work so yeah. you told us about this weekend so yes Go ahead, explain. Okay, so Friday I went to an MMA fight in um, Philadelphia. So it's a, I've gone to a couple from this promotion, but it's essentially like a a feeder to the UFC. So like they're trying to get seen, like the guys or or ladies that are in it. Um, And so it's kind of like minor league baseball for UFC. Oh, like Gavin Morales kind of? Everybody's um, training for the UFC. Yes. Yeah. So, um, oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. That's awesome. Um, so it's called Kate's Fury. That's the that's the uh, promotion. But okay. it was in um, Parks Casino in Ben Salem, I think. Um, usually they're in South Philly in this really cool facility that's like small and it's always like really hot in there and like there's this cage <laughs> in the middle and you can just this see is- them like right there. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoy it. I honestly don't know like that much like I can't speak to like rules and stuff I just enjoy going and just like I said coming from like my fiance's in with the wrestling and I'm, I've been surrounded by that for like almost seven well yeah seven years now so uh-huh. I'm just used to kind of this martial art I don't know does he does he aspire to this no himself? no he doesn't want to get like yeah smack Not in the face I think. I don't, yeah no but he's done jujitsu so that's like one of the martial arts that obviously they would use um, and a lot of them do come from a wrestling background, so they're kind of doing that. Yeah, That's he's it. he's now yeah. in the UFC, so um, yeah, but yeah, I just enjoy it. Cool. Yeah. The UFC, I, UFC became my favorite um, sport to watch ever since like COVID started because everything shut down, and Dana White, the um, the head guy at the UFC, um, he where did they go? Uh, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. yeah. So he like. He went against the grain, kind of, and mm-hmm. went out of the country and made it safe. So, I don't know. That got a lot of fans. <clears throat> I watch it every every time. Yeah. It's really fun. I just, like, my favorite part about it is seeing you can have two totally different fighters. Like, yeah. one who's known for striking, one's yeah. good wrestler, and just seeing how they game plan. Yeah. Because, like, they fight every, like, three, four months, usually. Yeah. Like, if they're, like, a good fighter. Yeah. Um, so, just seeing how they can game plan that quick and go in, because I couldn't. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. You go in there, you, you don't know. Because you have to totally change your habits. Yeah. So it's it's not a habit-driven thing. If you're game planning and instinctively that quick, it's probably a lot harder than football game planning, baseball. Uh, yeah. you know. I mean, you could, you sure. could train eight weeks. I think a normal um, training camp is eight weeks. You could train for a fight this Saturday against a striker and say you win, you might have to fight uh, – 
the best wrestler in the world yeah. in four weeks. Yeah. Or, no, four months. Yeah, so like, well, and it gets interesting, too, when you have two guys that are the same weight but different body types and different sizes. Mm-hmm. So you have this tall, lanky guy who's, like, going to just kick you in the head and it's going to hurt. And then you have this short wrestler guy <laughs> with short arms, and it's like the guy that's short with short arms is not going to want to be in a striking match right. with the tall guy because he's yeah. going to have this huge reach, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, so he needs to, like, get him down, and he better be good at jiu-jitsu and wrestling because otherwise he's... My only complaint is, like... For like, did you watch like the Sean and Mally and Aljo um, fight in Boston two weeks ago? No, I don't think so. Like, they fought at 135, but Aljamain Sterling walks around at like 165, so they're killing their body. Yeah, mm. just to get 30 they pounds. lose 30 pounds, and then you see them the next day, and they look like a different person. Mm. Yeah. So like, it's not really. F- I mean, I'm not saying it's not fair, but like Sean yeah. Mally's probably was fighting at 138 tops. And the other guy was probably 15 pounds more than him yeah, by the time yeah. of the fight in just a day. That's the only thing I don't like. I think it should just oh, be a Oh, because the weigh-ins the day yeah. before? Uh, yeah. I think the weigh-ins should just be right before the fight. To make well, and it's like the guy that's like cutting, yeah, if he walks down at like 165 and yeah. they're fighting 150 or something like that, like they're going to be way stronger than the person who walks around at mm-hmm. the weight that they're fighting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it becomes like this weird, definitely this weird thing. Alex was a wrestler. He knows all about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our weigh-ins were right before the match, though, yeah. yeah that's how yeah. shit. That's yeah. how shit. I mean, there's no reason, like, because that would be like me trying to get to your weight, and then I just go home and I eat and drink yeah. two gallons of water. And, <laughs> and, I come and then just mess yeah. you up. Yeah. <laughs> that's not fair. Yeah. Oh, I'd take I Alex to... against him, actually. I don't have to You'd be surprised weight. how scrappy he is. <laughs> I mean, should we do it? Like... No, no, there's no cage here. <laughs> we already did it. You sound very excited about this fighting. It's, it's very, it's not what you would get right out of the gate. Let me tell you. No, I never had to cut, cut a lot of weight, though. Like, I think probably the most I had to lose in a day was, like, maybe three or four. What did you wrestle three, at? 152. Okay. And then, like, after, well, like, MPA, like, PIAA is, like, after Christmas and New Year's, that mm-hmm. break, you get two pounds weight allowance. Yeah. So it was, like, 150. <laughs> the average American's putting yeah. 10 on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was, like, 154 after after the New Year. Yeah. It was pretty easy for me to stay under. Yeah. But, yeah, they're definitely, we had some guys that would have to, it's definitely a thing. Yeah, for it's sure. hard. It's for like sure. a hard yeah, mental you would, thing. You would be at breakfast eating pop tarts and chocolate milk while everyone oh, else is cutting. I could sleep. do whatever. Yeah, pop tarts. I would have wrestled, but milk. my nose. I would have been heavyweight, and my nose would just bleed every time someone touched me. Okay. <laughs> and I would just get. I didn't want to have to stop. Yeah, <laughs> I think that would do it. That would do it. I could yeah. do it. What about you, man? Did you or and also you? Have you guys? Did you guys do any sports in high school? Or, um, I played or field hockey in high school, and then I also did track. I was a jumper, um, and then I was into boxing a little bit like last year. But then I, I don't know. The whole like we had to like buy a house, and then it just I have excuses. But yeah, I do want to get back into it, or maybe try jujitsu. But it's so hard with work because like I'm expected to be at work like this time to this time, so. I like after work just kind of doing what I want. Mm-hmm. And, like, I've seen them at the gym. They go to my gym, or at least you do, yeah. and you've yeah. been there sometimes. Um, so, like, I'll go to the gym on my own because it's not, like, a scheduled thing. It's just, like, a mental thing for me. It's hard to, like, go to a scheduled event mm-hmm. after work because I've been scheduled all day. So, like, right. I want the freedom mentally, I think. Um, but it is a good workout. Like, it's a great, like, doing any martial arts, it's, it's sure. a great workout. It's Absolutely. a nice, it's fun, too. Yeah. Mm. No, I'm a musician. Uh, <laughs> completely. I got hit in the face once and went, never going to do that again in my life. Um, I did do jujitsu for a, a short amount of time because they said there would wow. be no face hitting. 
and I still and got the no face. There will be no face hitting. I love it. I think it. I'm good. I think I'm good. But I like to go to the, the gym when I can. But for, for me, the big thing that I like to do, like I said, musician. Um, what do you wife, play? Uh, Great Highland Bagpipe. So, oh. yeah, oh. play the bagpipes, guitar, things like that. My wife's a musician. She plays uh, flute, saxophone. We have two kids. They, yeah. They're going to have to be musicians. Uh, I have a, a band. Genetically. I want my sons to play so bad. You know, I'm just... I How mean, old are they? Uh, my one son is two. My other son oh. is going to be born in January. So. <laughs> well, I think we can relax a little. I know. I'm just like, oh, I got to... Yeah, I probably should relax because I'm, I'm excited. You know, my one son, I'm like, he loves playing, picking up the bagpipe channer and playing oh, cool. it. By just blowing into it and things like that and banging on everything. So I'm like, yeah. Do you wear the kilts, too? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, kilts boy, you're and, the real deal. Oh, yeah, we have competition coming up this weekend and then the weekend after. and then. What's the competition entail? Uh, so I do a lot of solo competitions. So you would go up and have different idioms of different types of music that you play, 2-4 March, 6-8 March, um, hornpipes, jigs, things like that. Okay. Yep, so you would go up in a solo competition. You would have an adjudicator who would sit there and, you know, say, all right, play the tune and... Um, certain times you might give him a few different tunes that you might play and then he would pick one for you and you go up there and you play it and hopefully you beat the other 10, 15 people there and yeah, so that's where my competitive side of that's things awesome. are. Yeah. So is, yeah. is, that, is that the Highland Games thing they do? Isn't there something in the summer around here? Yep, so there's uh, the one that's coming up next week is, uh, is the Coventer uh, okay. Presbyterian uh, Scottish Festival Highland. Okay. It's down Quarryville, PA. That's on the 9th. Mm-hmm. And okay. then the other one on the 16th is out in Ligonier, PA. Okay. It's their Highland Games. And then there's the Celtic Fest down in Bethlehem. Which okay. they'll be having. Yep. And that's more of a band's. Um, our, the band that I play in won't be there competing. Okay. So you're yep. in a bigger... How big is your band? Uh, we have about 20 people between oh, wow. our, our drum section and our, our piping section. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I've, I've been doing it my whole life. So like I said, I... I, I mean, I ran a little bit in, in college. I like I was on the club cross country team and liked to go to the gym and lift weights. But I've always been a musician. That was that was my big thing. That's that was, awesome. Yeah, I like the saxophone. Yeah. Oh, my wife she she picked it up over COVID. That well, oh, nice. right before COVID, she, she was must like, just have so much talent uh, genetically. She, oh, she's great. Yeah, and she was like, oh, we're gonna just just gonna do it. You know, I'm gonna try this, and then COVID happened. And she's like, well. I'm gonna still keep just doing. I have time it. to so, practice. Yeah, so, yeah, this is great. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty cool. So yeah, we've been musicians my whole life. And it's actually probably a really easy hobby to have with kids. I mean, you can't totally. You have to watch the kids somehow. But of the hobbies to have while having kids, playing an instrument is probably one of the better ones. I would yeah, imagine. yeah. I would just say a bagpipe is tough because it's so damn loud. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one thing you know. Yeah. With my guitar, you know, kind of strum quietly. Even saxophone and flute for my wife, you know, you could play and you know from right. downstairs. Me, I gotta like go out to a park or yeah, you know you during do. the day and over lunch just try to play that. something. Yeah, that's the one downside. Um, but it's just such a fun instrument. I, I love it. I it was crazy. I remember my you know being at the Renaissance Fair when I was like. 12 and I saw this guy his name was Sean McEwen and he was just world class like three time world champion bagpiper and I mean he would blow and his neck would like go to the size of you know just like three times the size and his fingers were just going and I remember saying like I need to play that instrument like (laughs) I need that you know it's oh it was so cool so yeah that's awesome it's a lot of fun that's interesting 
It's definitely. I don't know. Do you guys have any have any questions for us or? Hmm. Um. Do you ever run out of questions? And then you're just like no. sitting there looking we at each know other. Todd has our wrap up. I was trying to give the nonverbal. Oh, okay. I was trying to give the nonverbal sign. Todd has the wrap up. Oh, okay. So we well, never run out. We usually end end the podcast with. So we're all um, pretty young, all 21. Um, what advice do you wish someone gave you when you guys were 21? Oh man, this is a. Heavy it could be. It could be personal. Yeah. Personal. For, for you, for you too, it's obviously a lot more recent than yeah. for others. Yeah. yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I was only twenty-one. I was it could be personal or for your career too. Really, whatever. Yeah. Whatever way you guys want to take it. I would say the biggest thing that I would tell myself is do not sweat the small things. Oh my gosh, the things I look back twenty-one that you thought were. And I'm sure, you know, even probably sitting where you are looking at, yeah, I'm 31, like, oh, just wait. <laughs> There's more to come, you know. There's more small stuff you'll be worried about. Yeah. And but just you're right. How, how insignificant some of the things were. Um, you know, even for me in the last couple of years, going from, you know, single guy, married guy, dad, you know, th- that's, those small things, they start to amplify how small they really are. And that's what I would tell someone is like, once you get the priorities straight and you realize, you know, these small things don't really matter, or sometimes they do matter, but you just got to put them in the right order. That would be the biggest thing um, that I would tell somebody. Um, and I would say, this is kind of similar, but um, don't be afraid to fail is the first thing that I would say. Um, you're going to have to, I mean, I think you learn the most from the failures that you have and it's like yes sometimes things can be like super frustrating or like oh you made the wrong decision here or like oh I should have done this like it is hindsight is 2020 100% and like you can only make the decisions in your life based on the information that you have currently so like don't be so hard on yourself if you fail Um, don't be afraid to start over don't be afraid to change paths I think that's what I did I definitely didn't expect to be in you know a situation that I'm in now um, or like a job, but yeah. And then there was something else that I was gonna say. Oh, and don't feel like you have to have it all figured out because literally nobody does. And no one was gonna tell you that because I feel like when you start working and like especially when you're like maybe in college or like high school, you're interacting with people that are like older. You know, I mean, you guys look at Dan and it's like, well, how does he have it figured out? Well, yeah, he has so many years on you. Like, he had to go through all of this to figure out where he is now, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, being a good person. And he still and doesn't have it figured yeah. out. No one does. Yeah, no one does. Like, there is no figured it out. Like, you just have to pick what you like and just keep doing things that make you happy and keep things out of your life that make you miserable or make you unhappy or are going to make you not reach your goals or, you know, things like that. So yeah. um, that would be my advice. All right. It's wonderful. It's very good, yeah. I think that for two youngish people, that's pretty sage advice from both of you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Thanks. These guys, I, that's what I love about this the most. They collect this from everyone. Yeah. They don't want to, they hear enough from me. Yeah. But to hear from you guys is invaluable. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. been great. Thanks for coming out. I appreciate and just you guys one, coming. Can I make a plug quick? Yeah. The webinar. So <laughs> yes. we mentioned the webinar already. Well, you guys are on my panel for it, so that's yes. going to be great. Um, it's October 11th, so everybody watching.
come watch the, the webinar. Um, I think you access it through LinkedIn, right? Uh, you can access it through LinkedIn, augustmac.com, okay. august, like the month, mac, M-A-C-K yeah. We can put a link yep. in the description, too, after yeah, the website. That'd stuff. be awesome, yeah. We'll so we're going to talk sustainability and get some um, just outside views of sustainability from different industries from you guys and some other people. So it'll be cool. great. Thank Excellent. you guys for coming cool. on. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. It, it was. was. It was awesome. We'll it see you guys awesome. on the next one. See you guys.